Welcome back to Candid Conversations, everyone. You know, nowadays, if you're like me, your emotions may be all over the place. You know, on any given day, you're probably switching in between anger, sadness, and frustration to anxiety, acceptance, maybe even a little bit of depression. (laughs) The fact of the matter is most of us are grieving. And regardless of where you're located in the world or what stage of your career you're in, you are forced to show up either in the workplace or on a Zoom call while grieving And still be productive with a smile and still perform with a smile. And so I know for me, as I talk with my friends and my family, I have mentees as far as, you know, in Nairobi, Kenya. And it's really hit me that we've all been been in a collective grieving process due to the pandemic and, and global protest around the world. And let's be clear. While grief is often considered an emotional response to a loss of a person we know and love, we're also grieving people we never met. The murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor made me angry. And then there was Jasmine Waters, who was known as Jazz Fly. She's a writer behind the TV show This Is Us. Um... She died due to suicide, and it took my breath away. It just left me completely shook for the entire week. And I did not know this woman. I engaged with her on Twitter. I thought she was amazing. And then there was a death in my very own family, and he was a pillar in our family. And I still can't believe that he's gone. And so there's not only this grief over people we know, there's grief over people we don't. No. And then we also have to understand that there's grieving that occurs due to the loss of things, events and routines and life as we know it. And whether you're grieving a person or a process, it's going to take you through some phases and stages. So the five phases uh, of grief are denial, anger, uh, bargaining, depression and acceptance. And I believe it's important not to rush grief, but to have conversations which normalize the process that's going to look different for everyone. So I'm so excited about introducing you to one of my favorite therapists, Dr. Janae Taylor, to help us understand the depression and anxiety part of it, as well as some techniques to cope, particularly for the Black community. On top of police violence, which is typically directed towards African-Americans, we know that COVID-19 is affecting African-Americans at an exceptionally high rate. So there's an increased level of trauma and everyday anxiety that this specific community is dealing with. So I wanted to invite a professional, a therapist on Candid Conversations to talk us through this. So listen And let me know what you think. Don't forget to share this podcast. And please leave me a comment in, you know, iTunes or Podbean and talk soon. Enjoy, y'all. Welcome, Dr. Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Candia. It's a pleasure to be here. So 
Quick story, y'all. I lovingly been stalking Dr. Taylor for quite some time. Not only does she provide gems around uh, mental health, mental illness, uh, managing it all, but what I love about how she shows up for her uh, clients, but she also shows up for her colleagues as well. She has a, a, a therapy meetup that she does often to even take care of other therapists. And so I knew she was the perfect one for this podcast. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Taylor. Well, first off, let me say we stalk each other. We love when we stalk each other because I am such a huge fan. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I am here in Virginia Beach where I own and operate a private practice, tailored counseling and consulting services. And since March, it's uh, purely telehealth and probably will be until the summer, maybe even fall. Uh, <laughs> and so there I uh, exclusively service uh, the Black community and provide mental health services around um, race-related traumas, healthy relationships, work-life balance. Um, one of my newest ventures is providing um, emotional health services to Black entrepreneurs. Um, and we talk about all the things, all the emotional pieces as it relates to business building. So um, isolation, entrepreneurial anxiety, uh, strain on relationships, the impact of the fi uh, financial uh, roller coaster. Uh, so, <laughs> so those are the things that I do. And I do offer, um, at least since now, since COVID, it's a monthly um, meetup with other Black therapists. It was quarterly when it was in person, but now that we're um, not able to have that. It's monthly. Um, so we had one last night and we had a good time. Um, I love it. Yeah. Oh, and a podcast. That's right. So I also have a podcast called Minding My Black Business. And it's the place where um, Black entrepreneurship and mental health meet. Now, why did you decide to focus specifically on Black entrepreneurs? It was selfish. Uh, so I am one. I am a Black. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so initially it was selfish because, you know, I've done a lot of training in being a therapist and being a, lot, being a therapist in a lot of different avenues and agencies and setups. But one of the things I hadn't had a lot of training in, if, if any at all, was being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And that is a journey, a lifestyle, a commitment that I didn't realize um, until I was in the thick of it. And so um, I knew that I had to gather my own resources to kind of manage some of those pieces. And I figured that I wasn't the only one who was having some of these same experiences. And so, and I didn't see anybody doing that work in terms of providing services to black entrepreneurs around their mental health. And, um, and as you mentioned, you, you know, you highlighted jazz, but there's also been, um, others and I can't remember his name, but the, the gentleman who, um, was it Golden Crest, um, Oh, yes. The CEO yeah. of Golden Crust. Yeah. yeah. He committed suicide as well. Right. Right. So there, there are all these cases in which um, black entrepreneurs struggle um, with their own mental health issues. And so we need to be able to have a space for them to, to, to get some support and help. Right. What do you believe, particularly in, in the black community or let me say this, in all communities, when it comes to mental health, or mental illness, what do we often overlook or underestimate? Ooh, um, I feel like we could have that conversation all day. What do we <laughs> often overlook or underestimate? I think we... Uh, 
See, okay. I think we, our threshold for pain, physical pain, emotional pain, is so out of whack because it kind of has to be. Like we are mm-hmm. walking around targeted in all these ways. So, right, if we're talking about, at least right now, uh, being targets of police brutality, police murder, um, the microaggressions that we hear when we're in the workplace, uh, you know, you speak so well, let me touch your hair, all those things. Um, I, I, so we, all these moments where we're just kind of swallowing things that are very hurtful. And sometimes we don't realize it because the people to our left and to our right, our family and friends are doing the same. And so we don't quite understand the, or quite feel the burden, the emotional burden of what it means to do all those things, what it means to kind of walk around in fear, what it means to be stressed and worried all the time. Our threshold is, is so off the charts. Um, and you know, there's a long history of that, uh, right. of us just kind of moving on yet and still. Uh, there's songs about it. There are hymns about it. We sing about it. We pray about it. So um, I think that's something we both over and under um, estimate is our threshold for, for pain. And, you know, I couldn't agree more because I feel like for many of us, we are taught that there is strength and silence. There is strength and walking away and then turning everything into a joke while we are secretly crying behind closed doors. And so now I'm so happy that you said that because I see that it's kind of bubbled over and we're so used to, I mean, even if you think of like the strong black woman, (laughs) superwoman (laughs) complex, uh, we are told that, you know, I don't have time to cry. I got to take, you know, I have to take care of my business or I got people to take care of. And so for me, I've, I've tried to get in the habit of kind of checking myself, adjusting my expectations, but even, you know, for friends and family, no, you don't have to be strong, right? It was, you lose someone. I was talking to, um, a friend and a cousin the other day and they were like, I know I have to be strong. And I'm like, uh, no, you don't. You you got this. So so when do you though recognize it's time to like first of all, what are some of the signs? Because I know I think now we're using like anxiety and depression interchangeably. Are they two different things? And what are some of the signs? Yeah, so they are different. Um and it's interesting because sometimes they can be very much cousins of each other. Sometimes they can be relatives of uh, sisters and brothers of each other, Uh, but they are different. So we like to think of depression as someone who is experiencing an increased level of sadness, um, withdrawal. Um, These are things that are part of the human experience. So we all have those moments when we're feeling um, lethargic, low energy. We just are not motivated So those are the things that kind of fall under the depression file. When we think about anxiety, we think about stress. We think about worry. We think about fear. Oftentimes, it's a lot of like restlessness. So your thoughts are running. You can't sleep at night because you just got to write this other thing down. Um, Or you can't sit still. You know, there are lots of us that kind of walk around on our cell phone. We pace pace constantly back and forth. Uh, So you might have a little pent up, you know, worry. Um, And so 
again, this is something that happens in the human experience as well. We all experience anxiety. We all experience depression. The issue becomes when either one of those things, the combination of those things prevents you from getting your task done. So if you're so sad or you're so worried and anxious that you're not able to complete your projects or you're not able to attend to your family or you're not able to even get out of the bed, you're not changing your clothes every day, um, you know, making sure you take a shower, even though you might not even be going going anywhere because I recognize we're in a pandemic, um, but you're not able to do those things that uh, you typically do. And, and people will say things like, are you okay? I'm, I'm worried about you. Those are signs that, that we've gone too far and needed that Okay. Because okay. I know even, so I heard you speak before too about entrepreneurial anxiety. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of blew me away because I never really knew that that was a thing. Yeah. And so I guess when it gets to a point, so what I, I hear that you're saying is, you know, these feelings is a natural part of the human experience. But when it stops us from kind of doing our regular routine, that's when we should try to go for help. Right, right. And stops you in such a way that it's creating a problem. So there'll be days where you take a nap um, during the day or you go for a drive instead of, you know, sending that email. Like, yeah, and, and in some ways, that's what we call self-care, right? So I'm feeling extra tired. I need a boost. I need, you know, a change of scenery. I'm going to do something to kind of make my mood feel better. Um, but there are moments when these things are happening in days. And oftentimes, if you think about it in a time frame, if it's happening for two two weeks or more, 14 days or more, that just you're every day having this experience, this feeling, um, not being able to attend to yourself, not being able to address um, work-related issues, then we now have an issue. Now we need some level of intervention. At that. Okay. Yeah, I think also for me, even when I think about um, Jazz Waters, so I followed her on Twitter, and she was a force, so empowering, so inspiring, giving out, doling out actionable advice. I heard her on a, a few podcasts and she was very open about her struggles with uh, anxiety and depression since she was a child. And so, you know, her, when the announcement was made that she committed suicide, now, of course, we don't know the reason why. Um, although she was, she, she was very vocal about the kind of quarantine was very debilitating <laughs> for her. And I think the saddest thing about that is knowing or seeing a series of tweets that at some point went dark and not really kind of like, you know, realizing like, wow, watching someone mental health kind of go down and down and down or even up and down, especially a powerful, amazing, beautiful woman. I mean, she wasn't even 40 yet. I think she was 39. And um, so considering that, I know that this is kind of like heightened awareness now of the struggles that we all have, regardless of the role we have in our career. When someone is experiencing um, those sorts of struggles with anxiety and depression over a consistent time, how should they go about looking for help? And how do you, what's your advice for kind of like finding the right therapist or the best therapist? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just kind of reflecting on your, on your statement. Um, I think it's so easy for us to become uh, debilitated in this time because a lot of the things that people would do to take care of themselves and all, they don't longer have access to. Um, so that, you know, going to the gym might have been their thing or having that Sunday brunch with their friends might have been their thing. And so um, even as therapists, we're having to be extra creative with folks who are already in, in therapy about how can we revamp um, your self-care regimen? Because what we were talking about before, you don't have access to. So how do you, how do you go about seeking out services? Well, I would first say start very close to you. So the process, I wish it was as easy as calling one number and then all the therapists would answer the phone and you could, <laughs> I wish it was that easy, but you're going to need some support. And so even if that means having a friend check on you to say, Hey, how's that? How's that search going? Or what have you found? That sort of thing. Um, because there'll be moments when it's going to be frustrating for you. It just, it just will. Um, and so for that's, that's step one is, is, is make sure you identify somebody that you trust. It could be someone who's in your home or not. Um, just to check in as you go through the process. Um, the second part is there are a few ways in which you can get access to therapy, which is the great part. And the, one of the, one of the cool things, and I say that with hesitancy because coronavirus has had so many, uh, not cool things is that there are now therapists available to you in ways that they hadn't been before. So there are a slew of us now who are offering digital services. So we're, um, doing tele, telehealth. Um, and we weren't doing that prior to March. I am one, so I was not doing uh, telehealth, but as of March, I have been. And so uh, a lot of my other colleagues have followed, followed suit. So you have a lot more therapists available to you than you ever had. There are, if you happen to have insurance, um, that is a solid way to start. Um, so you can go to their directory. Uh, insurance panels often have their own directory and their own website where you can literally look up a therapist look up uh, where you can type in your address. Um, sometimes you can even filter your, your concern. Um, yeah, so you can filter in your preference as much as possible and get a listing from the insurance uh, website themselves. There are um, independent directories, therapist directories. Um, the first one that I must highlight is Therapist for Black Girls. I love um, that site. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Joy has put her blood, sweat, and tears into making that a robust site. And it's not just for women. Uh, I also need to make sure, make that known. There are male therapists on there as well. Um, and, and female therapists who service uh, everybody. Uh, so, um, so that's one. Um, and then you can also kind of filter down as it relates to um, your issue. You get to read bios. You get to see our pictures. Um, the next one would be uh, Psychology Today. So that's psychologytoday.com. Um, it does the same thing, has the same filter uh, as well. Um, if you also work in an agency, you might want to check to see if you have EAP benefits. So that's Employee Assistance Program Benefits. The reason why I highlight that is because oftentimes as a part of that package, you have access to free sessions. Now, I'm saying free in quotes because it doesn't require you to go into your wallet or pocketbook. Uh, to pay any additional funds, but it's a part of your health uh, care package. 
So I've seen where people can get anywhere from as few as two to eight sessions um, that are that are paid. Um, now, the EAP providers are licensed therapists, um, and they already have a list. And so they could provide you with that list. Um, and most of my clients, um, especially the new ones, what they tell me they do is they get their list and then they go directly to Google um, to <laughs> check out websites, as they should, you know, shop around. Make sure you do be, be an informed consumer uh, as it relates to folks, um, because some people really prefer sitting with people that look like that. So um, those are some just kind of quick suggestions around how people can access therapy. And how long do you think you should engage with the therapist before you switch to another one yeah right (laughs) (laughs) like like do you think like it's like if you go in so let me backtrack so I love that you said start close to home because that's what I did I started I had my yearly listen I'm about to get real candid on y'all okay I had my yearly uh gyn visit and I asked my doctor like I need a therapist Mm-hmm. To help me, and she gave me two fantastic resources, and so I haven't left her since. Um, now I will admit, though, the first session went really, really well. All sessions went well, right? But then there was like the set, the third session, and I was like, I don't have anything to talk about, and so I, I started to think to myself, how long? You know, I know that some of my friends were saying, "Girl, the first." day I went to therapy and I was like, nah, this ain't gonna work. Do you think there's like a <laughs> a grace period you need to give your therapist before she like have you crying on a couch or something? How long <laughs> should it take? That's a that's a fantastic question. And um so the thing is that therapy is both an art and a science. So but I like to use the hard fast rule of three. So give it three sessions. Um but sometimes you don't need three. Like you can be sitting with someone and feel terribly uncomfortable and pay attention to that. Um, and because either you don't feel heard or they're making these wild assumptions or you just don't feel like they're understanding, then pay attention to those things because mm-hmm. oftentimes those things don't shift greatly from session to session. If at the very first time you sit down, you're like, you know, your warning signs and flags are going off. Pay attention to those However, give 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 you and the therapist a little grace if possible. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, and another thing I was gonna say too. So now, particularly uh, for Black people, um, we again are grieving, right? Uh, everything that's happening with the pandemic and then police brutality, and uh, especially at the hands of at the expense of black lives, right? So that's an added kind of stress that we have. And do you think if you have a white therapist, uh, is that like, cause I'm part of a discussion right now with my friends, how open or how much help do you think a therapist who may not be able to identify with that everyday struggle, is it unfair to say that they wouldn't be able to help you? That's a good question. So my answer is that there are certainly white therapists who have done their work, who have explored their own biases, who understand the nature, the ugly nature of racism, um, who have 
done their own consultation and mentorship who are in community with other black and brown therapists who are allies, who are lockstep with us um, as we try to make sense of these things. So there are certainly white therapists who are in it, boots on the ground. Um, and so I think they would be certainly qualified to sit with you and talk with you about um, your issue, whether or not it relates to what's happening today. Um, and should also be making space for you to talk about um, the impact of the racial trauma that's, that's happening that really you can't avoid, whether it's you're on TV, watching it on TV, um, it's, it's being pushed to your phone. Um, I was watch. I started watching uh, Watchmen uh, the other day, and I couldn't even get through the first episode. <laughs> I couldn't get through the first episode. So even like when you're trying to do something that's kind of relieving, fun, um, you're kind of being reminded in all these ways. So certainly there are white therapists who can help you do the work, and then there are white therapists who can. And so right. No, I I agree with you on that first episode of. The Watchmen, because they focused on the Tulsa. Yeah, so that one was that that was pretty pretty heavy. You know, along those same uh, that same topic, what are you recommending to people who are you know traditionally we're given when it comes to managing your anxiety or working through your anxiety or depression? It's like you know watch your favorite show or you know go to the gym. What? types of alternatives are you offering for people who can't traditionally do the kind of highly recommended things that you would do because we are confined to, you know, quarantine? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So some of those, some of the, what I like to call our greatest hits are still true. Um, So Part of that is making sure you have some movement in your body. So whether that is, maybe you're not, you're not able to go to the gym, but certainly you have, maybe you have space on your floor where you can do some stretches or do yoga or just sit and meditate. Um, go outside. <laughs> and I say that for a lot of reasons. We need the vitamin D uh, in our skin. Um, that helps us. That helps kind of regulates our, um, our sleep cycle. Um, it relaxes us as well. And it's, it's beautiful these days when it's not raining um, or not 95 degrees. But go outside. Uh, and there are techniques that, you know, we talk about as it relates to grounding. So part of that is um, taking in all your senses, feeling the wind against your skin, mm-hmm. um, smelling the fresh air, hearing the birds, um, sometimes even feeling the grass underneath your feet. Mm-hmm. Um so going for walks, um, sometimes it's helpful to like really focus on what is actually happening right in front of you. Because when we're anxious, we are thinking 10 steps ahead. We created scenarios that we're trying to problem solve. And the solution oftentimes is to focus on what's, what's happening now. Actually, right now, nothing has happening. Nothing is on fire. I'm fine. I am actually hungry. Maybe it's time for me to have lunch. Uh, I haven't been outside all day. Have I drunk any water? So just taking an inventory of where you are right now and addressing those needs right now. Don't think about what's happening at the end of the day, but right now, what do you need and what can you do to address those issues? I absolutely love that. Cause I know even for myself, I get what if crazy, like the what if syndrome kind of takes over and I, I, I get really silent and still, and I, I try to, turn some of my what ifs into what to do now. Yes. 
that's just my thing. Okay, Candia, what if, what to do now? And if I can't turn it into a what to do now, that means for me, it's just not a priority. It's, it's not a priority. So I, I actually love that. And uh, one of the things uh, that I often have to remind myself too is you don't have to figure it. Sometimes it's kind of like an okay feeling. It's okay to be anxious right now. It is what it is. Yeah. Allow yeah. yourself to feel it. Because for most of us too, including myself, we're so busy trying to avoid the feeling. And sometimes we just need to sit in it. Like, girl, you know you need to sit in this feeling for a with. Because <laughs> if you avoid the feeling, you probably going to go through something you ain't got no business doing. <laughs> just sit in right, it. Right, right. That anxiety is there for a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> You got to, you got to keep it real with yourself sometimes that there's, you know, there's kind of almost like good and bad anxiety. That's how I like to pick. I like to kind of categorize it, but I would ultimately, um, what would you, what are the three pieces or kind of like your top advice right now? So where the world is opening back up slowly, but surely state by state. There are some of us like myself who's still going to quarantine, okay? Besides the grocery store, you know, a little walk in a park or something, that's it. Um, but there, you know, listen, there's some people who still have to show up every single day to a work environment, um, take their kids out or whatever. What is your advice for them right now, going back and they have to show up to a place every single day? Yeah, Which, what yeah. would be your advice? First of all, thank you. Um, because you kept this whole thing running uh, while I was able to stay inside and work. Uh, so <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, so thank you. Um, so I think, you know, we talked about earlier about kind of underappreciating or overappreciating is that a lot of us are feeling a level of fatigue that's unprecedented. And I think some of us think we can just like take a nap and then we'll kind of be refreshed. I think that used to work back way back in February. You're not my business. That's what I'll be saying to myself. <laughs> All right, Dr. Taylor, you're in my business. This ain't about me today, but go ahead. And I think we need to recognize that. I think we need to acknowledge that this is a level of fatigue. We are in the midst of two pandemics. And I don't, I, nobody alive can talk to us about how they got through that. So we are kind of actively trying to figure out how to work this thing out. And so that within itself is exhausting. So then you have to add on top of that the the hustle and bustle of getting to work or attending to your family. Um, And and so if you are experiencing or or as you start to recognize how fatigue is taking over, it's, it's time to kind of put some things down. And oftentimes, if you're not able to recognize that i love to say turn to your left and to your right like there are people who will help you who will help you with that um there are probably some people in your life that you are seeing them rest uh and so maybe you need to check in with them about how they're able to (laughs) able to do that but rest is important in all the ways so i'm talking about formal rest where you close your eyes as well as just kind of um stepping away from the computer um or stepping away from whatever thing that's demanding your attention some of the basic things still hold true, like making sure you are staying hydrated, um, making sure you're resting well, um, making sure you are able to connect with those things that do provide you some relief. And for a lot of us, relief is in the form of laughter. There's so much power in just being able to 
to laugh. I know yesterday I was watching something on Twitter. I couldn't even remember what it was. I think it was a baby doing something silly. And I laughed until I cried. And that was, I felt so good after that. I felt so good. And so it's really those like simple, simple pleasures are things that we can't let go of. I can't, you know, it's so funny. I just said this. I think I posted it on my Instagram. Um, I just said this yesterday. We over, like, let's not overthink self-care. Self-care can be really simple. Self-care is speaking up for yourself. Self-care is asking for help. Self-care, like you just said, is laughing at at yourself or even something funny. And so I think oftentimes we kind of peg self-care as, going to get a haircut, going to get your nails done, right. you know, fellas night out, girls night out. And sometimes it's simply just speaking up and asking for help, taking a walk outside. Things like right. that are very, very simple. So I want to thank you today. Tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you, where to follow you, all those sorts of things. Absolutely. Uh, and this has been a pure pleasure. I feel like I could talk to you all day. Um, so yeah. Um, on the social media, as my mom likes to call it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on Facebook, you can find me um, under Dr. Janae Taylor. Um, on Instagram, the same. So Dr. Janae Taylor or Minding My Black Business. Um, on Twitter, um, the account is Minding My Black Biz. Uh, and so you can find me in all those spaces and send me messages and follow in all those spaces. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Dr. Taylor. I want to thank you on behalf of me for getting my mind right, as well as my listeners. Thank you also for kind of like making it a normal thing to talk about and be very honest about. I felt so comfortable today just even talking about my process and my struggles, and I want to thank you for that. So there you have it, everyone. Talk soon.